Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Strevens. Joining me on the show this afternoon was Mitch Edwards, and Mitch is a self-described polyamorous pansexual Norse pagan. Now, he was also a roofer by trade, but he found far less joy in his occupation than some of those other things, so he's he's moved on to, uh, or he's continuing, I guess, as a uh, nightclub, a strip club doorman, uh, bouncer, and, you know, working in the nightlife industry generally. Um, this to me is one of the success stories of the podcast, actually, because uh, Mitch saw an episode, an earlier episode that I had done with uh, Walter Aliaga, and he he took it upon himself to shout out uh, the North Bank Media podcast on his social media, and uh, that got back to me, and so I reached out to Mitch and I said, well, why don't why don't you come on the show? And and he was more than happy to oblige after some a little bit of prodding, uh, but. To me, that's that's what this podcast is going to push for going into the new year. Is like this is a podcast for the everyman. This is a podcast for the common person. You know, everybody has a story, and uh, you know, in a time where I think institutions and and you know, just the sort of spirit of this of this life that we're in is one of divisiveness and one of disconnect. And uh, maybe in sharing our stories uh, through the podcast, uh, we can start to rebuild some of that connectivity. So again, what I mentioned about Mitch uh, is true. And uh, he was more than happy to sort of share uh, his life story with us. And uh, it's a hell of a story. And I, I want you to hear it from him. But, you know, s- topics such as LGBTQ and uh, polyamory, that sort of thing, as well as nightlife, um, media and uh, content creation, uh, sex work, that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, trodden the fine line of stuff that's a little bit taboo or a little bit, uh, but becoming normalized. And the podcast is more than happy to go anywhere with anyone. I mean that. So again, I thank you, Mitch, for uh, for making this connection and for obliging me and uh, for giving me your time. And I hope you guys uh, enjoy watching this as much as I enjoyed uh, building and uh, having this conversation and building this episode. So please enjoy it. Conversation with Mitchell Edwards. Good luck to you, sir, because I don't know what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> okay, Mitchell, thank you, man, for coming on the podcast. It's great to see you. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time and kind of doing this on short notice. How you doing? Well, I'm doing good. And thank you for having me. It's a real honor. Like for someone who's a baby to all this and trying to get into <laughs> social media, like sure, I feel really honored to be brought in. Well, hey, I'm happy to bring I'm happy to bring people in who who want to be brought in and who who may not feel like they have anything to offer, which is not the case. I think we've all got a story, and that's what this podcast is about. So it's uh, it's an honor for me to talk to a real life human being. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the stories I have. Well, I like the sounds of that. I guess um, the first thing I'd say <clears throat> is thank you uh, for you watched the episode that I did with Walter. And you felt yep. you felt the need to speak out on your social media about it, and um, that's what this podcast survives on, and that's what I'm hoping to get more and more of. So, uh, thank you for for engaging with the content. Well, like when I listen to you guys, like so, like I, I know Walter through other people, mm-hmm. and then when he, someone posted it, I listened to it, and I, like 
it was so wholesome and so nice to actually be able to hear that side of like who he is. Mm -hmm. And I just had to share it. Hey, well that's, he is a hell of a guy. And so uh, how do you know Walter? Uh, so like I work in, in like the nightclub industry, the strip clubs and all that. And so I know a lot of dancers. I know a lot of that. And when they started posting about him, (laughs) I kind of was like, Oh, this guy seems very interesting. Right. And then we ran into each other through mutual people. Okay. Okay. So just mutual friends. What, what is it that you do at the, uh, like what clubs do you work at? So I have been in the bar industry for 14 years. Okay. Uh, I started off with nightclubs and then I worked at St. Pete's. Oh yeah. And then I started working other nightclubs and then now I'm back at St. Pete's. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's not that many of them in town though. Yeah. We have uh, shade. Uh, Chez Pierre and St. Pete's. Is that it? Just the three? Yeah. Until Eden opens back right. up. Just the three. Mm. There used to be one. There used to be one called the Black Bull or something over on the West End. I never made it there. Oh, yeah. Whatever yeah, happened to the Black one. Bull? <laughs> anyway, I actually interviewed the guy who who runs Chez Pierre. So that was. Uh, are you familiar with him at all? Do you know Jesse? No, I actually don't know him at all. Okay. So what is it? What is your line of work then? Are you not a dancer? Are you? Or are you? No. Okay. I, I tried dancing in my younger oh, younger yeah. days. Nice. And so I've worked security mm. for most of my time okay. at the bar. Uh, it, like I like I said, I worked all over Edmonton. Mm. I've worked northern Alberta. I'm a glorified people watcher. Hey, but someone's got to watch the people, or they're gonna they're gonna do things we we can't tolerate. I suppose. Yeah, like I, I even worked uh, security in the swinger clubs here in the city. On the West End there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Want to go there with me? Like, talk to me about what sort of, I mean, here's the thing, I guess, with when it comes to kinks or non-traditional forms of sexual relations, you don't know unless you're in it, I think. I think people maybe cast that in a bad light. So can you help me understand the swinging? What is it? What would okay. you see there on a, yes, daily, I, on a nightly basis? I, I know quite a bit of it. So, uh, like, swinging is a, just another type of ethical non-monogamy. Sure. Uh, a lot of people, they just, they like to spice up their relationships with more people. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, some people add whips and chains, these people <laughs> add another person. I see. So, <laughs> so, but now, do you, I mean, it's hard to cast that all in, in one particular lighter, but... Is there an issue there with the, the relationship between the two people themselves where they need to bring this third person in? Or is it, could that be an instance? Or is it is it a, a real just sort of non-traditional look? I, I've seen both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen some people where the, like their relationship was falling apart. So right. they brought in another person and it kind of held the glue together. Mm. And then... Uh, like people like myself, because like I'm polyamorous, I also consider myself a swinger. Okay, uh, I just enjoy pleasure, and like my relationship with my nesting partner is solid. Mm. But I like to go experience life. That's a good way to put it. So, answer me this: how how do I begin the discussion of swinging in my relationship? Oh, how does oh, that? That's, that's always a fun one. Hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically. What? Uh, so what? What I learned from my experience is the first thing you have to do is have complete and brutal honesty and Mm. communication with your partner. And then 
what we did is we went to the clubs and we got to meet other swingers. Okay. And then we, then after meeting these people, we talked about our boundaries. Hmm. And we were lucky enough that me and my nesting partner, we met a really nice couple that kind of took us under their wing and like, hmm. well, they, they wanted to sleep with us. That, that was pretty much the hands down on it, but they taught us the ropes. Okay. Okay. So yeah, mentor. And that's not uncommon in sort of, I, I don't know what the word is here in, in a kink lifestyle and a non-monogamous lifestyle. There's often a mentor relationship. Is that true? Yeah. There's usually someone who will show you the ropes, show you like, these are boundaries you don't cross. These are things. Right. And like, I, I find there's more podcasts and there's more stuff being released online, which mm-hmm. is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of bad things showing up on TikTok, but that's oh. TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Well, you might say, yeah. What kind of, so misinformation or uh, on TikTok? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, par- or partial information sure. happens a lot. Well, yeah. I mean, I think you, you talked about this podcast on your TikTok, I think. Yes, I did. <laughs> but TikTok might be a net negative for this life, for this world. I'm not sure. I'm not sold on. I don't go on TikTok. Period. I'm pretty split amongst it. Like I really do like TikTok because there's a lot of the fun, and there's it's mm-hmm. a fun way to start getting information. Sure. But people just can't take that as this is the sole source of information. Right. right. I think that's a big problem with what's going on, at least through my eyes, in the world today, where people. Uh, they put a lot of weight on one source of information. I mean, you know, yeah. there's not as much critical thinking as we might like to see. Well, like uh, I talk about it a lot. It's like vetting and like, mm. it's just like interviewing someone. Like you yeah. have to get your resources. You have to get your references. Like you can't just rely on the <laughs> first thing you see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or else you end up with, with something that you don't even know what you've, what you've hired, so to speak. Yeah. So, <laughs> Something that will cause some kind of trauma. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the other <laughs> side of it. So I'm happy to hear more about the swinging. And then, so you met this couple and they sort of, I mean, they, yeah, so, <laughs> please. Yeah, this was pre, pre-COVID, we got of Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we went and we went on like couple dates, like both mm. of our, like both me and my nesting partner and then those the couple mm-hmm. and then finally they're like would you like to expand this further like would you like to go into the bedroom and like they were so respectful of our boundaries and our comfort levels mm. that it, 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 it was a nice experience okay and like i've heard the horror stories of sure. like uh, people being a little more predatory right right and scaring people away well i i have to think that's probably more common than not I feel like you might have had, a, I mean, I have no idea, but I feel like you had a pretty positive experience and that may not be the majority of the cases. Yeah. Like, uh, what I always suggest to people is like, if you're interested in swinging, mm-hmm. go to the clubs because they are so like, they find consent so important. Mm-hmm. People's comfort, like it's key. Mm-hmm. Like, especially at the one I worked at, I don't know if they'll be mad at me for saying their name, but I worked at intimate times on the West side. Okay. <laughs> and like the owners are great people like they they helped me came up with the idea with my merch oh, yeah. uh, i have a shirt that says enthusiastic consent is sexy nice nice and i have that all on my work shirt yes <laughs> enthusiastic consent is sexy is that an issue because that's something walter talked a lot about about how there seems to be a lack of of respect for consent this day and age yeah. or maybe maybe always 
so what I think is what what's happening is a, a lot of people are assuming consent, and like I see it at like the strip clubs. I saw it mm. even a few times at the at the swingers club. Mm. Uh, a lot of people just assume like, oh, they're not saying no, so it means yes. Right. But it's like no, that's not <laughs> what it is. <laughs> right. That is not it. Right. It's like there's informed consent and assumed consent so mm. like informed consent is me saying like yes i would like to do this right. assumed consent is like i'm pretty sure she'll say yes <laughs> this that, that, that gets a lot of husbands in trouble in marriage oh yeah my wife will say yes ah, right she will as if i haven't run this <laughs> i haven't run this buyer yet but yeah like one of the things like i have little ones i teach them consent with everything like if they want to come give me a hug they need to ask my consent because mm. it comes into my personal sure. space. Seems like a good way to start. That makes sense. Yeah, and I, I figured like not enough people do that to like just a simple thing as can I give you a hug? Hmm. Interesting. I think every, everybody could learn something from that. You could start teaching consent at a younger age maybe. Yeah. So is that – do you see a lot of that when you're working the clubs like as a bouncer or whatever that, that people just cross the lines – <laughs> so much so one of the things i'm pointing out a lot especially with women who come to the strip clubs mm-hmm. taking a photo without consent especially when there is nudity huh. it is supporting rape culture sure because like you're literally taking away that person's consent to say no and sure and yeah, I'm like, even like people grabbing and touching, it's like, just because they are working in the sex trade industry does not give you the right mm-hmm. to violate their consent. What? Right. So you're talking about women taking pictures of, of female strippers? Yeah. As if they're kind and of they, some novelty? Well, they feel like they're entitled because they have the same parts. Oh, sure. Okay. And I, I've had a girl actually use that argument and I, and I told her, I was like, yes. But I was like, but you get, did you get her consent? Right. And she went, no. I was like, so you're violating her consent. Hmm. And that uh, probably blew her mind, right? She probably didn't see that coming. Yeah. Especially coming from a man. Yeah. She's kind of like, oh, oh, I really messed up. Huh. <laughs> Maybe you can help. I, I've still tried to, ha- I've tried to have dancers or strippers on this show. I haven't had any luck with that yet. And it was interesting. The one girl who I asked, she said, she said no because she didn't want to put herself out there in that way. And I was just fascinated by that. You know, well, I can understand a lot of girls being scared to talk about the darker side of the industry. Sure. Uh, like, I know one person who does uh, YouTube interviews. Okay. Uh, and she's a dancer. And she makes sure, like, if you ever watch it, it's all pretty positive stuff. Hmm. Okay. And it. But so is there a dark side then that's well accepted and just we sort of, ex- we just accept it? Well, I've, I've learned, cause like I said, I've been doing this a very long time. Mm-hmm. What I started with and what is out there now mm-hmm. is night and day. Hmm. And it's gotten so worse. Like, no, it's gotten so much better. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like when I first started, like you, drugs were rampant, violence, like security using violence on patrons was a commonplace thing. Hmm. But now, now people are actually calmed down. I don't see drugs as much. I don't see people trying to like try to touch the dancers as much. Hmm. Like it used to be, I I would have to kick out three or four people in the beginning. 
now I, I just have to like, hey, you got to make sure to hugs and handshakes only. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that kind of goes against the narrative that we're we're being fed, where the gender relations or relations generally among people are getting worse. But you're telling me there's a culture of of what acceptance or tolerance that's actually growing in the in the in these places, strip clubs well, for one. I think with with the club I'm working at, because it, I, the clientele is aging like I am. It's not a bunch of children. <laughs> okay. So these people are learning that I need to be more respectful or else I'll bring back these dark ages. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, there is something to be said for that too. When you get a little older and the testosterone isn't flowing like it was, there's a, yeah, there's a sober second thought about what I'm doing or even women too. It's just with age comes wisdom, I guess. Yeah. Because like I, I still hear horror stories about other clubs, right. but it's not nearly as bad as what it was eight years ago. Hmm. I'm fascinated by that. You think, and your club specifically, or do you think that's across the board? It's getting better. Uh, I I would say it's very situational. Yeah. It's very location based. Because like I worked on a few clubs on the north side of the city. Okay. And I've seen an ebb and flow of it going being great and then dropping back down to the dark times going Hmm. great interesting i'm fascinated by that i wonder like are these clubs providing something for people that uh that they can't get elsewhere and so they 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 kind of lose their mind a little bit they lose control because it's a very deep desire that's being fulfilled in these clubs right yeah Uh, so like one of the things i'm noticing is as the experience of the workers. Mm-hmm. So like I, I have a few dancers that they know every tip, tip trick and trade <laughs> to protect themselves that there is. Sure. And then I also see these young ones that are coming in and they're 18, 19, 20 mm-hmm. and they, they just want to party. Right. And it's those <laughs> ones that are causing like the, the chance of the dark side coming back. Cause guys are going to be like, Oh, she wants a party. I can do what I want. Right. Right. They're not wise enough. Yeah. Is that typical that you see women come in to this profession at a young age and, and hang uh, in for a few years or a long time or what? So like I, I've been back in the industry for a couple months now, uh, back to the strip club industry. The bar mm-hmm. industry has always been a thing. Right. But I'm noticing, yeah, like the strip clubs, the new servers we get, the new dancers we get, they're anywhere between 18 and 25. Huh. And a little more towards the 18. And it's kind of right. makes me feel like an old man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I bet. I bet. How old are you? I am 32. Oh, right on. Same as me. <laughs> I'm still young, but I'm also old at heart. That's right. We're old enough, I feel, at 32. We've seen, you know, I mean, which is interesting, right? Because you're in an industry that really, I think, requires that young, youthful energy as far as servers, dancers, whatever, right? Like, I don't be served by some old fuck. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I'm just a glorified people watcher. Right. I sit in the corner and I make sure people behave. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you ever had to do as a bouncer? Like, what's that one moment where you're like, oh, shit. Uh, I had a gun pulled on me several years ago. Wow. Uh, and it was one of those, like, I didn't even think, and I disarmed the person. Nice. And then I kind of looked at my hand and realized I was holding a gun that was pointed at my face. Wow. Was that, that was in Edmonton? <laughs> no, it was in Edmonton. And you just reacted and just... 
like I was lucky enough. I had a lot of really good dormant, like train me and teach me and mm. essentially take me from a normal person to an actual security agent. Right. Right. And so that all that just paid off in the moment, eh? Yeah. Well, and I also like, I worked white out for a while and there's been knives. I, we got shot at before COVID too. Hmm. Really? That was an interesting one. <laughs> what is that? Usually a guy gets kicked out and then he comes back pissed off or. Yeah. We kicked two guys out for that s- scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one guy got upset and decided to do a drive by. And I just happened to be on the phone calling in a drunk driver at the time. Damn. <laughs> that man. Po- that po- that poor operator. I was like, shots fired. And she's like, seriously? I'm like, yes, seriously. <laughs> oh, God. Where was that? That was, uh, so you know where uh, Wooly Bullies and Sweet 69 used to be? Man, I think it's. Uh, no, I've never been sober in that part of town. Have mercy now. Have mercy. Oh, on the corner, just down from White, a little bit north of White. Yeah, it was that corner. <laughs> Ugh. Is that where Sweet 69 was? Yeah, that was uh, that was the first bar I worked with in Edmonton. Wow, that was the first place I ever went as a as a young child, eighteen. <laughs> Good times. I remember the, the the waitress handed me a shot, and I thought she was well. I thought she was handing it to me, but she was actually trying to cheers me. So that's how <laughs> that's how that's how you know un uninitiated I was. But anyway, that place doesn't exist anymore. So. No, no, uh, uh, the owner sold it, and uh, him and I actually still talk now. And oh, then. yeah? What's, is he still in Edmonton? Yeah, he's still in Edmonton. Doing something a little bit more upstanding or same? <laughs> uh, I think he's doing whatever he wants, really. <laughs> nice. That's, that's huge. Good for him. <laughs> Made his money. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so what is it that, that motivates you, then, to get into working as a doorman a bouncer like is there is there something in your personality about justice or or are you just like kicking ass or it's just easy well, or what i i know i do have a, a hero complex mm. but uh it was actually what got me to keep on going back to security is the social aspect of it oh uh, yeah it's uh getting to know people hang out with people like networking sure and <laughs> you're good at it too i guess right <laughs> they keep having you back uh, i don't know like i said i'm a pretty baby to all this because mm-hmm. like i i have a red seal and roofing actually and oh I, I just came back to bouncing because it roofing wasn't bringing me joy in life no i can i can see that that's <laughs> roofing's a good summer gig though right like yeah it's all right <laughs> money yeah but it, i guess getting paid isn't all there is was that you were doing just ham- this hammering shingles all day long on the roof? Oh, I, I did uh, every aspect of roofing from flat to mm. shingling. I did it all. And no joy found. No joy found. What made you think <laughs> <laughs> What made you think you were going to find joy? Like if you got a you you trained in it, it must have been in, intriguing at some point. <laughs> so, uh, the story behind that is actually a funny one. So, we moved down here uh, me and my partner, so that we could be closer to her, her uh, like our oldest son's real father. Okay. So she went to school, and I did too. I was actually going to be a teacher. Oh wow! I was going to be a, a science and and gym teacher, and she took psychology. Mm. And then we realized that both of us couldn't work or like go to school 
and not work. Right. Yeah. Fair so enough. I literally, I dropped off 15 resumes and the first one was a roofing company that contacted me mm. and I did that for the last 10 years. With the same company? Uh, no, I, I was between two companies. Okay. Well, that was very noble of you to give up on your pursuit of being a teacher so that your, your woman could, could pursue psychology. That's okay. I wasn't very good at school anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. Uh, and so how did it work out for your partner? Did she, uh, did she is going for her master's this year. Congratulations. That's awesome. Very cool. And you're yeah, just, you're, you're just kicking ass in the meantime at the, at the door. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I, I have my hands in a few different things. Like I said, I'm a baby to all this. So like I'm trying, mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying photography. I, I'm oh, yeah. trying the spicy site. I'm trying all these things. Well, I honestly, man, I think there's nothing wrong with having multiple streams of income. I mean, that's probably the only, that's how I survive. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing that, you know, Walter talked a lot about, he, 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 by his own admission was a, is a male feminist. Oh yes. Yes. Now I'm not, <laughs> I have to be careful here that I'm not, you're not Walter. So I'm not going to like put things on you that aren't, aren't, no, aren't no. his or aren't yours, but do you do you see an issue? Take me back now. We're at the we're at the strip club or just the bar. Is there a problem fundamentally with the way men are engaging with the world? A hundred percent. Now, is it a people? May I say, is it a people problem or is it a, a specifically a men a gender problem? It's a gender gendered problem. I find I find it is a people problem, but you see it generally more in men. What are we talking about here? Like what's what's wrong with men these days? <laughs> a lot, like well, like we were talking about, like men do not understand consent, right? Uh, also, there seems to be a, an always a pissing contest when it comes mm. between any guy, <laughs> and like I don't know if it's them trying to fall back into their primal nature or if mm. it's just them trying to look cool to try to get people to like them. Hmm. Okay. So there's, there's ego and there's like the, the issue of status too, right? Where they want to be seen as someone who's something, someone who's yeah, well, like, worthwhile. Like you see all these guys who are wanting to be gangster, wanting to be all this, and they're trying to puff up their chest. And then they don't understand that what people out there want is simple communication <laughs> and to be respected <laughs> as sure. them. Right. Simple communication. Can you can you yeah. elaborate on some of this stuff? Like it's it's people they they want to pick fights, they want to cut in line, they want to harass women. Like, oh yeah, like so the guy who's grabbing unnecessarily at a uh, at a girl, like mm -hmm. obviously you're you're breaching her consent in personal space. Mm -hmm. Or the the guy who's coming up and he's trying to act all tough and he's like, oh I want this, you're going to give me this, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but no. <laughs> <laughs> And is it different? Is it different in the strip club? Is it? Is there a different? Is it worse? Maybe some of this behavior. Yeah, it's, it's a lot worse. I find in the strip club versus the other clubs, hmm. because in the strip club, you're trying to get these beautiful women's attention that right. are dancing and are working. Like mm -hmm. what a lot of these guys don't understand is th this is these girls' jobs. <laughs> mm -hmm. They're not. They're not 
trying to get your attention because they think you're pretty. They're trying to get your attention because they want to do their job and make you feel happy mm. and then get money. Because that's that's what the strip club industry is. It's it's a service of making people feel better. Yeah, no, I, I believe that. I think there's some now. Do you think there's a problem with? Uh, do you think there's an issue these days with, for instance, pornography or OnlyFans, things like that, where where men are separated from their sexuality, and then when they go out into the real world, they almost forget that they're not in the virtual world. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, actually, that that's actually a pretty good one. <laughs> I have to admit, <laughs> yes. Uh, so one of the things that like I know from my wife being with psychology and all sure. that is that when you're overstimulated with something, you're looking for a bigger thrill. Mm. So you have all these people who are on these sites and they're getting all this interaction and they're, and then they go to the club and they're expecting equal or greater energy from these, these people. Sure. Cause mm-hmm. like we, we get a lot of people asking at the club, Oh, how much to have sex with you? And it's like, wow that's not what this place is about. Right. It's like, but they're like, oh, but I could pay online and have a person do this for me. Uh. <laughs> so you're, so I maybe was right in some ways. There's this disconnect with what the arrangement actually is, how the world works. Yeah. Well, they assume that money will get them whatever they want. Sure. Now, could it potentially, is there a number? No. <laughs> no, oh, I, I, I know I have my number, but <laughs> hey, <laughs> apparently I just have to take you out for dinner with your wife and 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 sweet talk you. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I have a weakness for men with mustaches. Oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I got it ready just for you, buddy. So, <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. No, that's that's I, I think that's fascinating, man. I I wonder if it's a new problem or if it's just an old problem that's coming to the fore where where. You know, men or whatever, we're, we have to, we're, we're always looking to build status, ego, relationships, you name it. And now it's almost like, in some ways, I think porn, OnlyFans, and that sort of thing, have video games too, have hijacked us to where, you know where I'm going with this? Yeah, that, that we're needing more stimulation. Sure. That's an interesting yeah. way to put it. Well, it's like... Uh... There, there was an old test done where a rat could either click a pellet for food or click it for pleasure. Mm. And that rat clicked that pleasure button until it died. Right. I feel like humanity is much like the same. Like mm-hmm. if we click that button and it gives us a small stimulation, mm-hmm. we're going to hit it until we get the stimulation we want. Right. And that's something, I guess that's dopamine, right? Like that, that yeah. chemical that makes us feel nice and, and rewards us for having done the right thing. So now... When I asked Walter, what do we do about all this? And he said, he didn't really have an answer beyond. I think he said, men have to police other men. Like there needs to be following this. Yeah. Yeah. Does that seem right to you? Yeah. Well, like uh, to add to it, I think a lot of us need to start teaching our our children younger on Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. And like police other men, there was a movement and I think it's still going on. It's gentlemen for gentlemen. And okay, it's essentially a group of guys who are trying to teach other guys like this is the proper way you you show respect and be a gentleman. Interesting. And this was like a an online group where they actually met in real life, or yeah, it was an online group that I I knew about it pre COVID, so I don't know what 
it's like now. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because <laughs> like when COVID hit, I went into a hole and and oh, I stayed in that hole. Nice. <laughs> in a good a, a good hole, a comfortable. Oh hole? no, that, that, oh. that was depression. That oh. was that was a nasty little place. I've been digging myself out of. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about that. Is it improving? Oh yeah, quite. Uh, like I have my support groups. Like I have my circle of people who, mm-hmm. you know, when they see me going down a dark path, they give me a quick, swift smack upside the head. Nice. And I think that's what it has to be, right? It's not always this nice prodding. It's like give the guy a smack if he's going down the wrong road. Yeah, and like my friends, they're much like what Walter was suggesting. Mm-hmm. They're, they're men who will keep me accountable. Mm-hmm. And I do the same for them when they do something dumb. I come step forward and like, hey. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. Right on. I, I'm all for that. I wonder though, now I'm going to walk a tightrope, so maybe help me if I start falling. But we talk about, or we, you hear a lot of talk these days about sort of gender being less and less hard binary. It's constructed. You can identify however you choose to identify. So then if this is not a, if, if this is a men's problem, okay. But now what, at what level do we say humanity's got a problem here and the women or whoever uh, have some responsibility in, in how we're interacting? Like I don't judge women for doing what they want to do as far as sex work, stripping only fans, like get paid. Yeah. But are they some way complicit or to blame with, with the world that's being created? I don't think so, because, like, so, like, a lot of the girls that I know, they'll be the first one to tell a man when they're doing wrong. Hmm. My hmm. wife being included in that, because she will tell me <laughs> right away when I am wrong. Nice. Yeah. But uh, when you brought up the, the multiple uh, genders, uh, that's something, a tightrope I have to walk a lot, too. Uh-huh. And I always have to find interesting wording, because my wife is a very much an advocate for ev- all of that. And sure. I have to make sure I word it right or else I sleep on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So go ahead with that. Like, So uh, to, to elaborate, what I am learning is because of what my views is, if someone wants to be what they, they feel, mm-hmm. I'm all for that power to you. Mm-hmm. But I will ask what you are at- atomically currently. Mm. So uh, sure. that, that happens a lot because especially like with my work, like we have two ba- gendered bathrooms. Okay. So where is it that I'm supposed to ask someone like, are you a man or a woman from my observation? Right. <laughs> that might be the one place where it's fair to ask. Right. Yeah. So that now, like if I see someone coming up to the bath, the female bathroom where I'm stationed to make mm-hmm. sure no guys go in there. I've actually asked people, I'm like, are you atomically a woman? Mm. And they look at me like, no, I'm a guy. Your bathroom is over there. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting stuff, man. Now, I I went to a bar that just had one bathroom. Oh, that's the way it should be. That saves so much headache. (laughs) Really? But couldn't couldn't there be some trouble inside that bathroom, potentially? Uh, A lot of times when they have one singular bathroom, they have an attendant inside. Oh, a bathroom security well, that person is the person who gives you your soap, gives you your towel. Love that. That person's job is actually to make sure everyone's safe in there, mm-hmm. that no one's passing out in the bathroom, no one's right bucking around. Yeah, and I, I strongly agree with that because it it makes everything a lot more equal, and that gives also the the chance of other people policing other people. So if you have a person going in there 
being a jerk. Mm-hmm. Anyone could be like, hey, you're being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It adds to the... But now, do, where where does most trouble occur in the bathroom world? In the men's bathroom or the women's? Uh, generally in the men's. Yeah? Like drug use uh, or what are we talking about? Uh, drug use, passing out, uh, fights. Mm, fights. Uh, it's always been men's now i'm not giving women the women's bathroom any leeway i have Uh seen some horror story grossness in the woman's bathroom yeah okay please continue (laughs) (laughs) do do you really uh, anyone who who gets grossed out easy you might want to pause for a second yeah skip skip ahead 15 seconds mitch is now going to tell us a story so i worked in this bar up north and it was called rivers nightclub Mm -hmm. on new year's eve we had that big new year's bash and then i was supposed to clean up new year's day i went into the women's bathroom and the entire roof was littered with stuck on tampons wow yeah so (laughs) okay so that 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 is my horror story about women's bathrooms right they're not immune they're sick just like us men right yes now, at least we just pee everywhere because we can't aim when we're drunk zero aim yeah that's common <laughs> hey just a piss lake <laughs> what is it so you say your wife is an advocate for for gender what, what equality would we call gender equality or progressive sort of approaches to gender was she yeah was she always that way or did she learn that going to university because they like to teach that sort of stuff in universities Oh, no, she's always been like that. She is, uh, how, how do I put this kindly? Because I know she's going to listen to this later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she's stubborn in okay. her views. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's very, what she believes is, she feels very strongly about it. Like, I consider myself a feminist because she's helped me go from a redneck northern Alberta boy that... <laughs> was homophobic and couldn't understand you know basic human rights to the person i am now Hmm. where like i i i view myself as a pansexual male that i have great respect for all all people i'm a feminist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, i am i'm a little heavy on my my uh consent beliefs and my boundaries like when i when i i ask someone's consent it's pretty important to me to get it sure to do anything or just specifically yeah, anything yeah oh like like even hugs handshakes stuff like that like i will not go into someone's personal space hmm. until they consent it that's interesting you've become more and more open-minded and as such you've become more uh you regard the human body and the human space as being very important sacred sacred there you yeah. go yeah that's pretty cool I find that interesting that you say you used to be a, a homophobic redneck from the from the North Country. What? Yeah. Where did that come from? Like that's that's taught through family oh, that interactions. Was 100% taught. Right. Yeah. Right. My my family growing up, um, they were rig pigs. They were rodeo. Like my my family still ro- raises rodeo stock to this day. Okay. Like we did bull riding, all that stuff. Like when I told you I, I had an interesting life, I've led, led multiple lives. Okay. <laughs> it, it does feel like that sometimes, doesn't it? When you look back on, on when you were younger. So when did you, do you have, a, was there a moment when it, when it, when it began to morph in your mind that there was more to life than, than, than what you were living? So I left home at the age of 14 
Okay. And I bounced around a lot of places. And then I met my, my wife when I was 17. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've been together a long time. Our anniversary is actually coming up this Sunday. Oh, right on. Congrats. <laughs> How many years? 17 and now you're 32. So what's that? Do the math. I think 15? 14, 15. <laughs> yeah. You better figure it out before Sunday. Oh, no. She always knows. She knows I can't. She knows I don't even know my own age half the Excellent. time. Yeah. There was a period of time where I would get so drunk on my birthday, I'd forget that I had aged and I had no idea how old I was for years. Oh, yeah. I got that under control, but please, back to you. Oh, uh, but yeah. So, yeah, I, I met her when I was 17 and we moved down to Edmonton. And I, I actually strongly believe it was when I started coming to Edmonton, started working here, right. that I started realizing like what I was viewing in the north was kind of very northern th- thoughts very sure <laughs> yeah like you're you're disconnected because that's what cities cities are good for ideas right and and progressive yeah. thoughts and the further we get from those cities sometimes those thoughts don't quite make it that far well and it didn't help that like i lived an hour and a half away from any kind of town or any kind of people holy shit so you were really where where did you grow up uh peace river oh, okay Way the hell. And, uh, technically, I, I grew up in a town called, uh, outside of a town called Deadwood. Oh, oh wow. That's even further north. Right. <laughs> I think that's in a TV show. Yeah, they did a TV show about the states and with that. But there's right. one, uh, there's a country singer, Carolyn Don Johnson. Uh, she grew up in that area. Oh, wow. Well, that sounds like a country music kind of place. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, but what's, do you have, a, I, I talked to some guys on the show who were from central Alberta, where it was the same issue. Like you were seeing last fall when there were some of those sort of race riot, not rise, but protesting equal rights. And those, those fellows from central Alberta come out and, and start like big farm boys, just start shit kicking people who are just kind of advocating for, for equality. Where, why is that, that, when we're away from the cities, when we're in these, these rural communities that these ideas of hate, not hatred, but well, it is hatred in some ways or ignorance. Why, why does that flourish? I I think it's because you don't have a large uh, area of people to debate and communicate with. Hmm. A lot of these people outside of town, you see the same 10 people day in day out. And if they share the same negative thoughts, you feed off of each other. It's, it's the hunting for more stimuli. Hmm. Uh, you and I talked about earlier, like even with it being negative, it'll keep on feeding and feeding and feeding. That's interesting. So the ideas just get more and more inbred, if you will. Yeah. Well, it's the snowball effect as it keeps on rolling down that hill, it's going to keep on growing. Right. Right. So you moved to Edmonton and you started to sort of literally open your mind. Uh, I've had a few people have to smack me around a bit, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> How so? <laughs> so, uh, what one of the biggest uh, eye-opening moments I remember having was uh, I met this one guy, and like him and I became really good friends. Mm. And then he came out as gay to me. Okay. And because of like my homophobia that I had, like I I almost destroyed that friendship. And he literally came up and like. He just smacked me. He's like, man, I'm still the same person you know. Right. I just like men. (laughs) 
Well, that's fascinating and good for him, right? Because he he could have easily just let you be another one, another person that yeah. didn't get him. Are you still friends to this oh, day? Like, oh yeah, we still talk to this day. Nice. Um, like when I came out, he 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 cheered me on. He's like, "That's great." Like he's like, "It's finally nice to see that you're starting to be the person you want to be." Hmm. Interesting. Now, do you become the person you were meant to be? Were you somebody? Yeah. Were you somebody always that? And maybe that's why you were homophobic. Was yeah, I was very much. I was very much wearing a mask of keeping my family happy than being who I was. Right. I'm and then, tough. It, it really was. Like I, I grew up in a very abusive household. Like my stepdad was a very angry person, mm. and he took it out on us. Mm-hmm. Uh. He, much to uh, my surprise, he apologized later on in life for being that strict. Wow. Which, Didn't have that's to. always fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, about all that stuff, was he like physically abusive or? Yeah. Yeah. But he apologized yeah, later. Like, that's interesting. Yeah, it, was, it was much like, I'm sorry for all that trauma I gave you. <laughs> sorry for all that baggage <laughs> you now have to take with you for the rest of your life. Here's a handshake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right now wow that's that's a that's crazy because quite often people don't get that right from the from the abuser now Uh, go ahead oh i was like and uh like what really like made it more worthwhile is he he apologized before he ended up taking his own life oof and it made me realize like he, he was just holding on to essentially he had his own pains. Sure. And like he was starting to realize that his pains was causing other people pains. Hmm. Wow. That's crazy shit, man. But, <laughs> but <laughs> do you learn, You is there something we could learn from that? You think? Uh, I would honestly, like I, I'm not a religious person. Uh, but the Bible does say it quite well, treat others the way you wish to be treated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very not a religious person. I feel gross just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Was that, be- now, were you raised in a religious house? Hold. Oh yeah, they were Irish Catholic. Oh, okay. All right. That's, <laughs> this interview is over. It all makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> That's where all your traumas right, come from. Right, but that's, <laughs> Well, that's not uncommon, is it? To get stuck into a way of thinking that, that really doesn't allow for growth. Yeah. Now you say you're not a religious person, but would you consider yourself spiritual or you strive towards some other kind of higher way of being? Oh, I, I'm Norse pagan. Oh, nor- <laughs> so you weren't kidding when you said Viking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like when, like I picked my handle because of my faith. Okay. I've never met a Norse pagan before, so where would you like to start on that? What, when, when did that, is that part of the sort of transformation of Mitch from coming down from the North to the city and becoming a, a pansexual so, pagan? <laughs> <laughs> this is a great story. Uh, so what happened? I've had a lot of near misses in my life where I should have been dead. Hmm. And I've had a, like a, a few a few things that happened in, in the time that I was technically dead. Uh, 
that really pushed me towards Norse pagantry. Like it, it really opened me up to like the stories of the old gods, stuff like that. Sure. And as I age and as I learn more, I'm realizing like Christianity really controlled a lot of information right? and put a lot of negative spin on what happened in history. hundred percent. I'm with you there. And, and Norse pagan tree, not so much. Oh, so what it is, is like, essentially you read the, like things that people have transcribed from stone tablets uh, stories that have been passed down through Iceland and Norway and Sweden for generations. Hmm. And they're just simple tales that tell you about these gods, these patrons. Hmm. Okay. Which is also so fun to talk to. I have a, a very close friend of mine that's a seven-day Adventist, and we oh. talk religion. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get anywhere with that conversation? or? Actually, he's one of the greatest people. He actually has a solid debate with me nice. instead of just an argument. Right, right. And that's, well, that's exactly what you are talking about before, is that you have someone who looks at life completely different, but you can together come to a greater understanding by talking. Yeah. So this is interesting. So it's, it's, it's stories that were told orally that have been transcribed. How far back are we talking? Older than Christianity probably. Yeah. We're, we're talking like pre-Christianity. We're talking about, uh, around the Roman times. Sure. Man, the Vikings were insane. Right? Like, Uh, so, (laughs) so funny thing, the term Viking it's actually a derogatory tor- term for Norse people. Really? Yeah. So the term Viking actually means to go out and raid and pillage. Accurate, but I, yeah, kind of derogatory, huh? <laughs> we're, we're more than Vikings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's really interesting stuff. Is there like a moral? Because they were a violent people, were they not? Like they violently colonized others. In the well, name of so the gods, or, like, or when you look at the Norse people, or this uh, Anglo-Saxons, or any of the like the people that were considered the Vikings, mm-hmm. there were groups that would go and raid and pillage. There was groups that would do slavery, mm-hmm. but there was also groups that were just farmers. Mm-hmm. The others that were just shipbuilders, like not sure. Like when you look at the Viking history, it was very uh, generalized in one location. Okay. Okay. So, right. And that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. What's, what's, is there kind of a moral of this Norse mythology or is it like the, there was multiple gods, right? Yeah. So a lot of it is like you, you would fo- find a patron that you'd wish to follow and you would try to live through, through uh, their teachings. Hmm. Okay. And like some people will pick multiple patrons so like myself, like I follow Odin because mm. he's uh, the one who wants the truth. He wants wisdom. Sure. And those, those things are very important to me. I want wisdom. I want truth being told. Mm-hmm. Like one of the biggest ways to lose me as a person is lie or lie behind my back about me. Mm. Right. It's interesting, hey, that religion, no matter what, it seems to be built upon these sort of values that can exist outside of us that we're striving for. Yeah. So do you act, what does it look like to actively be a, a Norse pagan? Sorry if I'm, I'm just fascinated by this now. Oh no, well, no. What does that I, look like? like when, I, 
you know, it's how you live, right? Yeah, it's the way I live. So I have tenets that I have to follow, like my oath, uh, my oath to the gods. Mm. Okay. So like mine to Odin is I'm, I try to live by my truth. I speak only truth. I try to, I try not to deceive anyone. Okay. And then, um, the God tier, uh, he, he's a person of justice and protection. So okay. for him, I have a, a pillar of my belief where I protect those who are close to me and important to me. Hmm. Even if it will cause me harm, I will still protect these people. This is fascinating stuff. I, now, were these values that you think maybe you were that were instilled in you before you were able to put put it into words, so to speak, before you found this system of belief? So, actually, funny enough, growing up as a child, I was a pathological liar. Interesting. Uh, I felt that it was easier to lie about who I was than be who I was. Okay. <laughs> so, as an adult, and now with my oath, I I, can, I have to fight to not ever go, become that again. I think that's so fascinating. I think it it reveals to me what I've been thinking about is like sometimes when there's an issue you're trying to solve, the solution can be found right inside the problem. Like we yeah. don't, we want to run from the problem or we want to find ways around it, but you actually have to go headlong into the problem. It's like you're a liar. Why don't you make a pledge to the god of truth? You know exactly. You know. Has that been working out for you so far? You're less likely to lie. Do you find? Oh yeah, I find now like I have such a like just like with consent, I have such an importance to truth mm. that when actually people lie to me, it actually hurts. Right. Right. Right at the core. Oh yeah. And it's and I think it's because I put in so much effort myself. Sure. To see someone just blatantly do it, it's kind of like why? Right. But you know why because you've been there like it's a weakness of character, I guess, right? Or ignorance. Yeah. Do you ever go back up north and commune with your family? Or is have you Oh, my family chased me down here. They live oh. down here now. They live out by Pembina. Oh, right on. Still, still in a rural setting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Raising the, what rodeos are, how does that work? Cause I've, I've shot a few rodeos, like as a videographer, I'm fascinated by the Alberta rodeo circuit. There's so many little rodeos. So like my family, they raise uh Brahma stock. So it's all bulls mm. and they have their own fucking arena there. They have all their friends who will come and try riding our, our bulls every year. <laughs> nice. My little brothers are absolutely insane. <laughs> my st- one, my one is a bullfighter, and the other is oh, a wow. bull rider. So, how much younger are they than your brothers? Uh, they are twelve years younger than me. Okay, I'm quite a bit younger. Yeah, but like th- those boys, they they are scary. <laughs> I <laughs> would not want to cross my little brothers. No, are they Vikings too, or just? Not no, yet, the, not they're, they're pure rodeo boys. They, yeah. they are redneck. <laughs> what now? What? It's interesting because it sounds like you've found a set of values, as have I, that works for me. But when you go back up north, are there things, or, or when you go see your family, is there certain things about that way of life that are still appealing and that's still noble in your eyes? Oh, I miss farming so much. Mm-hmm. I miss actually 
living on a ranch and having that freedom of life because mm-hmm. like i'm living in the city right now and i'm going insane slowly <laughs> sure a city cities are good for that too is it the is it the openness is it owning all your own land and kind of that well, control the, i think it's the freedom of your day hmm. so here like especially with me with a small townhouse i can go out and go for a walk and do that but i can't go and build a shed or go build a fort. Sure. I, I, I literally am confined in this little house. Yeah. Hey, I hear that. I mean, I, I live in a house, but I'm renting. So it's like, I can put a hole in the wall and fix it, but I can't, you know, I'm not knocking down walls and doing anything major. And it yeah. sucks. It, you know, it hurts as a, as a man you, or, or just as a person generally, you'd like to, you'd like to have something that you, that's yours. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I try to escape to the mountains every chance I get because, nice. like, there's that freedom of of nature. Yeah, yeah. F- freedom is the right word for it because th- that's where we came from, and now we've chosen to live in these boxes. Yeah, I feel like it's a cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a glorified cubicle. Um, do you own this townhouse? Or are you renting? Yeah. yeah, oh, well. I mean, that's not nothing. Yeah, well, I, I locked, well, I didn't lock out. Uh, I got in a bad injury as a kid and my parents ended up suing the school board because of it. Because okay. I was supposed to die. <laughs> right, you said you almost died. How did this happen? Oh, th- so this is uh, this is d- uh, near death number one. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know those old merry-go-rounds? Like on the playground? Yeah. Yeah. We were spinning a kid across, um, a bunch of kids on that. Right. And one kid flew off and hit my leg and snapped my femur and popped my knee out of place. Oh, wow. The, so, the force of him coming off the... Yeah. Wow. I probably felt great. And, and so instead of, you know, calling an ambulance, they ended up, uh, the school board ended up calling my mother to, to come pick me up. <laughs> That's how they do it up there, huh? Yeah. And so they loaded me in this old, uh, oh, what was it called? It, uh, this old... Uh, jeep and we almost hit a deer going into town (laughs) after that my consciousness was very hazy sure and yeah and like i said when i was in and out of it i kept on like having visions of something with me wow and as an adult i I like to think it was a valkyrie but could have been like an angel uh, the Norse version of it, yeah. Mm, sure. <laughs> and then, yeah, that, that was uh, near-death number one, because when I got to the hospital, they flew me to Edmonton instantly. Because you can die from a broken femur, right? Yeah. That's fucked up. I'm glad that you didn't die. That, how long was that recovery like? Uh, that was three years. Three years? Before you could walk yeah, normally? Yeah, yeah uh, I actually used to do ultra marathons. Oh wow, what age? What age was this leg break? This was at fourteen. Okay, right. Okay, I was a wee lad. A wee lad. <laughs> now I forget how we got here, but we were talking about what were we talking about? <laughs> Near death. Right. What about before that? <laughs> Do you remember before that? Like what? Uh, what's that? I I don't remember. I feel like I was going somewhere with it, but I now I can't remember. 
Yeah, I feel like you were too now. I can't remember either. <laughs> and the viewers, the listeners are screaming at us. Um, They're going ADHD, ADHD. <laughs> Both of you, lay off the caffeine. Um, well, anyways, you said there was multiple near-death experiences? In, yeah, in so there was the leg break where I went into shock. Mm -hmm. uh, there was the time I almost dropped a um, five-ton unit squishing me between it and a wall nice uh, multiple multiple times being shot at right. uh falling off of roofs <laughs> so it's it's hard not to feel like there's something looking out for you then right yeah uh my my stepfather used to always say it isn't that the god doesn't want you it's the devil doesn't want you so he's going to keep you alive Oof. thanks dad <laughs> yeah. the devil doesn't want me so yeah i don't know i mean it's a hell of a story but to me it sounds like one of of real personal evolution did you do you ever look back at it and see where it could have gone a different way for you if had you stayed where you were oh yeah uh it's it's actually something that me and my like my nesting partner we we actually discuss mm-hmm uh, so we talk about like how it would have been if say I didn't, uh, leave home. Right. I'd probably still be there or I'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. At the rate you're going, you go to get bucked off a bull or something. Yeah. And it's always a fun, uh, brain exercise that her and I do together because mm -hmm. it's, you can go through a million po different possibilities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. None of them good or a few of them good. Right. Yeah, a few of them good. I, I feel like I, I've been very nicely nudged in this direction. Right. Where it's going, I would like to know because I have no clue myself. <laughs> <laughs> but surely you have a, a sense of where you'd like it to go. Well, so like we're trying to purchase a farm here pretty soon. Okay. And one of the things I want to do is I want to, to create a safe space for people who just want to get away. Okay. So sure. be it like people who are poly, people who are swingers, people who just are Norse pagan, people who just <laughs> want to get out of the city, get they it. can come there sure. and, and visit. Okay. Like a sanctuary or a shelter or something like that. Yeah. That's pretty noble. You know, I find it fascinating. I'm sure you're familiar with like the classical sort of narrative structure of the hero's journey. Like the, yeah. like everything from the Odyssey to, whatever movie you saw last it's like this person goes into the underworld and does battle with with evil forces and demons and all this and they return to the community to uplift the community once they've done their sort of battle does that seem accurate because building a sanctuary sounds a lot like uplifting a community to me yeah like uh, i found uh once i moved to the city here community kind of became a big thing because like back home even as negative as it is, there's a, a community, like everyone knows everyone. Like heck, like when I moved to the city and the doctor didn't remember my name, that actually hurt. <laughs> sure. That's, that's interesting. And so and like the doctor, yeah. the doctor I have now, he's my friend. So uh, <laughs> sucks to be him. He has to remember my name. That's epic. You have a friend who's a doctor who's now your doctor. Yeah. Well, it's, we met through like, the community, like the swinger community, the sure. poly community. Yeah. Sure. 
No, I think there's something to that. I also think that the way things are going these days uh, through, you name it, social media, media, politics, whatever, it's it's dividing people. It's breaking up those communities. And at least for me with this podcast, I'm trying to make connections like this one right now, kind of battling against that division. Well, uh, I, I had someone who was a lot smarter than me tell me one day, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's like, we have never been more connected and more separated. Mm. Right. He's like, when it, when it comes to all the social media, all this, we don't have the connection we used to have where, mm. you know, you walk down the street and you go hang out with your friend. Mm. Now you text them all day and you don't really have that, that warm bond. You just have a technological bond. That's well said. And it makes you wonder if that technological bond is even a bond at all. You know, like I'm, I'm raging on Twitter. Who's, who cares? Aren't I just raging against myself at this point? Exactly. Like I lucked out where I had a good friend move into the same building complex as me. Nice. And like, we hardly text. We hardly do that because we'll walk over to each other's house. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll we'll do nerd things. We'll play Magic the <laughs> Gathering, or we'll go for a dog walk together. That's how it should be, right? Yeah, man, that's funny. You uh, years ago, I I directed a like a an indie film, and the guy who played the main character, he so reminds me of you. He he had the tattoos. He had the he was like into the m- m- pagan mythology. He he actually made his own board game that was like Risk, but it was like a whole universe he created. <laughs> Have you ever done any acting? <laughs> I, I, I tried when I, in my 20s, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't get a foothold in any of it. Sure. Is it something you'd want to do? Oh, yeah. Uh, and that, well, I, I, I'm, I enjoy the spotlight, let's say. I, I, I'm a bit of a, a, a... I'm trying to think of a nicer word sure. than social horror. <laughs> <laughs> let's say you just you feel like you've got something to give. How about... <laughs> yeah. No, that's yeah, like yeah. when I heard that Among Us was shooting here in Edmonton, mm. I was trying to find out how to get casted as an extra. Yeah, I, I that's huge, right? Like, that's a huge production. Yeah, well, Although, they, they already hit three different cities now. I think they're, they're in Vancouver now, aren't they? Have they moved on? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I found it kind of funny because they, they shot a bunch of stuff in Calgary and in the mountains and stuff, and then it's like, well, we need a shitty apocalyptic downtown. Edmonton it is. <laughs> they didn't even have to do anything. They just walked in and shot. No, I shouldn't say that, but um oh man. Well, I think maybe we could we could go a little bit more to where we started and where I thought we'd live. You're using the word nesting partner to describe your your my wife. Yeah. Your wife. Please elaborate right. on that. Oh, don't worry, I will. Bust out so, that dictionary like for me. So, like I said, we're polyamorous. So, polyamorous is where you have multiple connections with, like, you date multiple people for for feelings, not so much just sex. Okay. So, nesting partner is a term that people use to take away the hierarchy of the marriage. Because, like, so, so say, like, you came in and you started dating my wife, like, you'd be the boyfriend and I'd be the husband. It, it would put a hierarchy of me being more important than you. Hmm. So okay. when you put nesting partner, okay, that just means that's the partner I live with sure. that I, I see on a daily basis that we have children together, shit like that. Mm-hmm. 
and it, it makes all partners equal. Interesting. And that that's a good place to start, I guess, right? Yeah. And like right now, we make sure that all of our relationships are very much equal. No one's put above the other. Mm. Uh, we do equal time. Like right now, she's spending this week with her boyfriend at his place. Okay. And it's mostly because I'm working so much that I uh, we don't get to see each other. Right. So <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> Like you, you can go stay at your boyfriend so I can have this big bed to myself. Bye. <laughs> I see where this is coming from. I don't mind that. Uh, you, you have kids together? Yes. We have three demon seeds, two of which are my <laughs> bloodborne. Okay. And one that is my stepson that I've, I've raised since he was two. So he's my son. Gotcha. Uh, how do you, how old are they all? Uh, they just all had birthdays, and I know she's going to give me shit Uh-oh. for this, well, but I think they're seven uh-huh. and nine okay, and 17 this December. And right now, your, your nesting partner is either giving you shit or giving you congratulations that you got this right. Well, Yeah, either one or the other. We'll, we'll find out when you, you post this on you'll, there. <laughs> you'll have to let me know. I guess I asked because how do you approach that? I mean, those kids are pretty young, but there's questions got to be asked even at a young age about where mom is and stuff like that. Oh, we, we are fully communicative with our children. So like our children know that we're poly. Hmm. They know that monogamy and polyamory are both valid. Hmm. Uh, they know that mom loves me, like me and mom loves her boyfriend. Hmm. There's no less than greater than. Okay. And we really use the, you love mommy, right? You love daddy, right? Like you can love two people at once. Sure. Okay. And that now, but you have to know that's probably the first that those, I mean, there's probably not a lot of kids that are going to school with them, for instance, that are dealing with stuff like that, right? Actually, uh, with the within the community, I've met a lot of families. Okay. Like there's full on polyamory households. Wow. Where there's, there's uh, a sets of four or five or three. Like uh, it's, it's a bigger community than I, I sure. anticipated. Let's say. Where does, where does this come from? This desire? Cause I mean, I'm not, I'm not judging it. I really don't. I never really thought about sure. it much, but where does that come from? Where does that desire to live that way? And what does it satisfy in you? Okay. So a lot of people with polyamory, what it stems from is that you you're not expecting one person to fill fulfill all needs Mm, okay and and when you kind of accept that and you allow someone else to also fill those needs like trust me there's still jealousy there you have to work through that and understand where it comes from right but once you get through it all and you have that complete open communication brutal honesty (laughs) you're able to have like these little mini communities of relationships. Interesting. And, and you view it as a positive thing overall? Yes. Yeah. Like, so uh, all, all the monogamy that I've seen growing up has always been very toxic. That's fair. I've only, I, I've only met a few people who I view as monogamous and actually being healthy. Interesting. And you think, and like, go ahead. Uh, and when you look at the history of monogamy and polygamy and all that, 
like polygamy is older than monogamy because monogamy was started with the Catholic Church to essentially control people in England. Yeah, I could see that. And when you look at like uh, polygamy or polyamory, that dates back to like like the dawn of Christianity or Catholicism. Like it, it goes way back there. Hmm. Like there's even. I hate that I'm bringing up the Christian Bible again. <laughs> it has a way of sneaking in to every conversation. Yeah, there's a spot in the Bible that says that a man may take on another man as long as he puts his wife be- first before God. Now, this is supposed to be, for all the monogamous people, the oldest living record <laughs> there is. And there's literally polyamory in the Bible. Homosexual polyamory. That too, yes. <laughs> That's interesting. And you would think too, like from an evolutionary standpoint, it would be beneficial to have multiple partners if you're trying to have more offspring. Right. Do you think it's a, do you think it's a human urge to, to have multiple partners like across the board or generally? Uh, Yes. And no, because like, yes, I see a lot of people who want to have multiple partners but they don't want to have multiple relationships. <laughs> yeah. Multiple streams of bullshit to deal with. Yeah. Trust me. My, my, I have this app for calendar. Yeah. That thing is so full. Like I have to book people months in ahead. Like when you're like, yeah, like when you book today, it That's was like, funny. it was perfect. Well, I'm glad to hear that. You, you snuck me in between sessions, but, but um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to make light of it. I'm just, my, my head is really reeling to think about a lifestyle like that where do you, I mean, how do you make time for yourself then? If I mean, how many partners are we talking about here? First of all, for you. Well, so I, I become what's called polysaturated with two partners. Polysat. And you know, that's just, you know that about yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I've tried the three. I've tried the four. <laughs> Dear God. no. <laughs> You're empty. Yeah, like at that point, I just wanted to sleep. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I need some rest. Yeah, so okay. like uh, right now, I only have have my uh, nesting partner, but that's because I, I went through a bad breakup not too long ago. Mm. Long story short, sure. I'm healing and going to date later on. Ah, uh, hey, that's all good. <laughs> yeah, I guess I just feel like... Um, is there enough coming back to you from these relationships that it's worthwhile? Cause I mean, as you say, one relationship is often a lot. Well, so like amazingly enough, like even though like my nesting partner is with her boyfriend and all that, mm-hmm. I don't have any less uh, affection from her. Hmm. So even though her attention is divided amongst two people, uh, it's, I still feel the same amount of care. And if I ever want more, all I need to do is talk about it. Hmm. Well, okay. That all, goes, sure. All I know is I have video game time now and it is wonderful. <laughs> no complaints. <laughs> and, and so, well, it's, it's, well, you tell me what you think, but you just said when you had, when you had a lot of partners, you just wanted to sleep when you had your free time. Like, uh, for a man, you know, an orgasm is a pretty major hormonal event that needs a lot of, that I believe needs a lot of recovery time. Uh, did now, maybe it's not the same for women, but do you feel that that's the case? Like if you're just, if you're out there fucking all your partners, it, it can be draining literally. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things with mine, like 
I spend like, so if I spend a day with one partner, Mm -hmm. it's that day with that partner. Mm. Sure. And then, uh, only a few times in my swinging time, uh, swinging time did I have multiple partners at once. (laughs) Okay. And all I know is, Oh, so so tiring. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So, but you've learned to manage it. You've probably learned a lot about your own body in the. Oh yeah. I, I, I had, a a fellow person who was in the lifestyle come up to me and he's like, this is a book you need to read. And it was about tantric. Oh yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, and then I, I was able to be one of those. I, I felt 18 again. I was able to keep going and going and going. And it's like, I feel like a God. <laughs> Please let me know the title of that book immediately. <laughs> uh, literally it's just uh, t- tantric sex for men. Tantric sex for men. All right. I'll check it out. I'm into that. Because I have, I, I am serious about what I said about about the male orgasm. You don't, you don't have to agree, but I found the longer I go in that tantric mode of retaining semen, yeah. man, I'm like Superman. Oh yeah, you, it's not only an amazing feeling in, in itself. You you feel like a god after when you know your partner's exhausted and True. you're sitting there like I could go for round six. Yeah, yeah I'm not done. <laughs> now. I'm I'm curious about the jealousy factor because I'm sure that's what keeps a lot of men from living this lifestyle. How do you, let's say your wife gets a boyfriend who's physically superior or superior to you in some way. How do you? Oh, trust me. Her boyfriend is so much taller than me and I am short. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. But that's cool. But how do you live with that? Like, is there not some kind of burning jealousy inside you or? So what happens with most jealousy, uh, I do a lot of self-reflecting. So if I'm feeling jealous about something, I'll sit there and I'll go, why am I jealous about this situation? Mm -hmm. And then usually it'll fall into, I'm jealous because she's doing something I want to be doing with her. Mm. Or I'm jealous because uh, I don't get this time with her. Okay. And then that's where we bring in the brutal honesty and the communication. And you're able to turn jealousy into compersion. What's that word? Compersion. Compersion. So compersion is feeling happiness for your partner's happiness. Oh, wow. (laughs) And yeah, after you kind of learn where your jealousy is coming from, Mm -hmm. and hopefully your partner actually helps in like to deal with your jealousy, uh, you'll, you find as you go on, you no longer feel jealous, but you feel like, Oh, I'll just let her know. I want to do this. I'm really happy she's getting to experience this. Huh? No, that's okay. So that's interesting, but that's probably what's missing in a lot of people period is that self-reflection as to <laughs> why do I oh, feel yeah. this way? <laughs> it took a lot to learn how to self Ooh, sorry about that. It's all right. Uh, to self-reflect and actually meditate on like, uh-huh. where am I doing wrong instead of where is she going wrong? Right. <laughs> right. Like truly every problem every problem we have is actually the problem is me, right? You you know, like I can solve the problem through myself. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people seem to think that other people should be doing it for them. Mm -hmm. When in all reality, the person who's in control of your fate is you. That's huge. That's correct. People want, people want, well, I think it goes back to when we were talking about some of the other stuff, religion, media whatever the way people look at the world it's an abdic that we're, we're we're abdicating really our responsibility it's like you have a responsibility for yourself period you know yeah. 
I, I well, it seems to me this lifestyle you're talking about would actually require people to be even almost more responsible for themselves in some ways. Well, like I, I told you, like the the um, the respect for consent that, that this community has given me, it's mm. it's gone beyond what like normal things like because most people they think consent they think sex right and i I, like mine goes even beyond that like mine goes beyond like even to to you know like talk to you or talk to anyone else Mm -hmm. if i if i learned about you through someone else Mm -hmm. i'll ask their consent before i engage okay which i failed with my ex and i apologize for that (laughs) (laughs) hey we're all growing so that's interesting. So consent really should be just a value that we live with, period. It's like a, we should always be kind of checking in and asking other people, as I'm dealing with you, am I dealing with you the right way? Yeah, because like uh, we don't know other people's boundaries unless we communicate it. Right, right. And so asking for consent is our way to learning these boundaries. That's interesting. No. Yeah. Now, once you have a partner and you guys have talked about like what considers consent, what is not, right. and you, because like I'm also part of the kink community, okay, like girls don't want to keep on hearing like, is this okay? Is this okay? <laughs> right, further, 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 further. Yeah. So you you establish like rule rules and boundaries and phrases that you can use when you're like, hey, I'm getting close to where this is going to breach my consent and boundary. Okay. Right. And you kind of established that beforehand. Yeah. Like I think strongly we, we as humanity need to learn how to communicate. I think that's huge, man. I think you look at any, how often does someone complain to you about their workplace or their, or that's it normally their workplace because the communication is always the issue to me. Yeah. Well, I feel like uh, a lot of, the mistakes that people make in the club that I work at, if we were to communicate at the door, like, Hey, if you do this, you're, these are the consequences. These are boundaries. These are respectful rules. Mm. I feel like less people would be making these mistakes. Right. Because yeah, you have to ask, what is it that we, why, why, why do we struggle with this? Yeah. Because there's been so many times where I go up to someone and I'm like, hey, you cannot do this. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that. It's like, well, in my mind, you should. You should know this. It should be common sense. Right. Sometimes I think that we give humanity way too much credit. You know? Just a little. (laughs) Is that fair to say? (laughs) Okay. I don't feel so bad about saying that. I really don't. I think, I mean, as much as I know about myself and a few other select people who I know deeply, it's like, we're animals. Come on. Well, like I, like I think I said in the beginning, like we all try to tie into our primal selves. Mm-hmm. That's it too. Uh, yes, correct. We are on some level still monkey brain, primal people, but we've built this world somehow that, that almost we've built something too big and grandiose. We don't even understand what we've done. Yeah. What we've created. Um, we're going to touch on one more thing here. Uh, I might have lost it. It was something Walter said. God damn it. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> um, right. It was about kink and the, and, and I don't even know what that means. Cause I'm about as white bread as it, as it comes, but 
I we were talking about it and people want to live how they want to live, but I said, is there a certain amount of trauma or or unrealized issues that haven't been worked out that are coming out in kink in, in the kink community? And I know it's a broad term, but can you so, speak on that? So uh, it's it's really funny that you brought, brought that up because like I talk about this when I go live on TikTok quite a bit. Okay, all right. Uh, a lot of people's kinks and a lot of things that they they are they enjoy mm-hmm. stems from a way of recovering from a trauma. Mm. So like uh, one of the the biggest ones that I I make as an example is people who are into uh ddlg this is the daddy and little girl oh that's age regression therapy sure like literally these these girls who want someone to take care of them and and pamper them and take like treat them like a little child Mm -hmm. that's an age regression therapy sure that sounds a lot and and what and there's a benefit to that well, when you are able to recapture like what you were missing in your childhood as an adult, mm. you're able to essentially uh, relive that, uh, that childhood. And instead of it being a traumatic event, it's a positive one because you have someone there respecting you and treating you the way you should have been treated. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So, so that, right. So in some ways it's the kink is the process of working out the trauma. Yeah. And like the, like you can go through, pretty much a lot of it uh like people who are into shibari like the the rope bondage okay these are people who want to feel like restricted they want to feel uh out like they have no control but yet they have control because at any time they know they can say done right and it's done so it's a way of letting go but yet still holding that strength that's pretty interesting stuff do you mind if I ask, is there a sense of that in you about what it is that you're working through? You don't have to talk about this, but. Oh, yes. Oh, trust me. I, I share this online. So don't okay. worry. I'm very open about who I am. Sure. Give her. So I consider myself a pleasure dom. Uh, <laughs> I'm very primal in my, my nature. Okay. Okay. Uh, so a lot of my need to be the the dom to, to make someone happy mm. stems from the fact that no one tried to make me happy as a child. Hmm. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, man. But you know this for a fact, like this is, this is consciously you've worked that out in your brain. Uh, I, like I said, like my, my nesting partner, she's like, she studies psychology ah. Like her, with, when, within her and I talking about it. It was one of those things where like a little light switch kind of went ding. It's like, <laughs> that's me. And it's, it's, so it's, that's kind of, it's different in a sense, right? Where you're trying to make people happy because someone you didn't have that as a, you know, it's not like you're out there trying yeah. to become, trying to get happiness or maybe you do, it feeds back into happiness. Well, seeing other people happy and seeing other people in euphoria makes me feel like I've done something positive. I am a positive outlet mm-hmm. and it kind of okay. feeds into that. I, I'm, I get to be what I never had. Right. And that, right. You become the source of that. Man, that's yeah. wild stuff. And I, yeah. And I, and I could see in, in the people that I help that the people that I, 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 I date, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I see their uh, happiness and I see what I should have been. Oh man, that's deep. 
really it is like it's it's going right to the core and to the to the most foundational stuff in a person's life and trying to right those wrongs yeah do you see ever in the community that you're part of where that maybe someone hasn't quite gotten there yet and they're kind of pursuing for the wrong reasons oh you're talking about like fake doms yeah okay (laughs) i see a lot of those okay (laughs) so what what you see a lot in the king community is people who are wanting to be a certain type of person without educating themselves Mm. and like what i keep on telling everyone and i even say about myself you always have to learn more like there are courses that you can take there's there's things and vet people oh dear god and there's (laughs) bad subs out there too sure yeah yeah so like if you're gonna have a kink relationship with someone Mm -hmm. Vet them. See who else they, they've been dating. See what the, they they say about them. See what kind of events they go to. Right. Right. Because, yeah, they'll... Yeah. Go ahead. Now, do you think all sexual relationships are kink in some way, even if it's unconscious? Oh, oh yeah. Like, the, I, f- I feel like even the most vanilla, we only do missionary to get pregnant. Well, that's still a breeding kink. <laughs> There you go. So that's wild. Yeah. So, so there is always that unconscious primal, almost it is unconscious the way we express ourselves sexually in some, some sense, isn't it? Yeah. Like I find that our mental health comes out in in every day. Yeah. Like, like I said, like when I was a kid, I was a pathological liar trying to mask who I was because I didn't like who I was. Mm Mm-hmm. And I imagine, like, if you were to actually be around me at the time, like, you could see mental illness in people. Yeah. In their actions that they do. Big time. I heard this. Like, yeah. No, go ahead. I was like, even now, like, I have ADHD. I, I have a hard time focusing. You can tell when I talk to you that, or, like, my movements, you'll see my eyes go off in the distance. <laughs> me too. But you're, you're, you're pretty good at it right now. Are you on the meds or are you just mentally like, you're pretty sharp right now. It seems I'm playing with something in my hands. Oh, you're fidgeting. fidgeting. That's okay. Shade. No, I mean, no judgment. I don't Now, Do you subscribe to the term neuro atypical or neurodivergent or do you not buy that? Uh, so I, I do use the term neurodivergent. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, I read a book a long time ago where it talked about the evolution of the human mind and how the people who are actually neurodivergent are the evolution of people who are not. Say again? <laughs> I, I was with you and then my ADD kicked in. Uh, so the, the, the book I read was talking about people with neurodivergencies uh-huh. are actually the evolution of the brain from people who are not. Okay. So... So the book talked about how us as humanity have finished evolving physically, Mm. but we haven't kept on evolving mentally. So that's why we don't see these half human people hybrids because our bodies already hit the max. Now we our mental capacity is what's evolving next. That's interesting. And it talked about how like people who are autistic, Mm -hmm. that, that that is like the breaking point of evolving into uh, the next stage. Wow. 
I mean, that makes sense. Like divergent. Okay, then divergent is the right word there. You're 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 forking off to something other than human. Yeah. Well, how's that then for you being not human? <laughs> how's that been? Yeah, it's, all, it's all right. <laughs> uh, I, I know. I know. I'm a little strange. No, I think I. Well, sure, but who isn't really? Yeah. But I appreciate your openness, Mitch. I think this was. Uh, it was actually eye opening for me to to talk to somebody. Uh, so openly actually and about a lot of different things oh yeah like I, i'm an open book i always say that to everyone mm-hmm. uh the only thing is i like, guess you notice i don't use names and stuff like that because i don't have those people's consent sure so i don't like i'll share the story if mm-hmm. they ever listen they will know it's about them right <laughs> right 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 so what do you see us i like to end kind of with i asked the guest like we've we've kind of outlined there's some issues with humans and the way we're interfacing with our world do you i think we might know where you how you'd answer this but some solutions then for maybe getting us out of the gutter or keeping us on the upward trend uh so i have two parts to that obviously we need to educate younger Mm -hmm. but and then part two i'm one of those people that keep on saying that the world needs a, a new plague my nesting partner kind of <laughs> laughed at me when COVID hit. She's like, you got your wish. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but it only killed the old people. We need something serious. Yeah, we, we need something to wipe out a good 50% of the population. Just a re- a bit of a reset, huh? Um, yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm all for that, as long as it doesn't include me. <laughs> oh, I, I'll even throw my name in that lottery. Sure. You know what? Yeah, <laughs> I've had my fun. Uh, if people want to get more of this uh, life of Mitch, you're on TikTok. Is that accurate? Yes. So I, I misspelt it, and I'm kind of running with the spelling. Uh, so I wrote Albertan, but I wrote an Albertane Viking. Right. Uh, I but saw that. I'm, I didn't uh, say anything. Trust me, I had someone point that out to me, and I'm like, oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought maybe then I thought it was Alberta in Viking, and I thought maybe you lived in 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 Viking. Which is in yeah. I tried to play that off too, but Uh, no, that's (laughs) well. What are you gonna do, huh? Uh, I'm in the process of correcting it to changing it to Albertan Viking. Okay, but I'm on TikTok, Instagram. Uh, People can type Albertan Viking and find my Snapchat. It's pretty boring. All I do is sing while I drive to work. (laughs) That's cool. And if I want to come down to the club where you work and have you beat me up, what, where you work, do you want to say where you're working or no? Yeah. So I work at St. Pete's, mm-hmm. but I won't beat anyone up. No, no. I'm too old for that. Right. <laughs> Peaceful resolutions, right? Yeah. But yeah, uh, feel free to come down. If people message me on uh, like Instagram or on Snap, I'll usually try to get them on a guest list so they don't have to pay the cover. There you go. How about that? There's a little, there's a little bonus for the listeners. <laughs> Mitch, I really appreciate your time and your openness, man. This was a good one. And, uh, Hey, keep on keeping on. Yeah, I appreciate you too. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the North bank media podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, please subscribe on YouTube and give us a like. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, Please subscribe as well and leave a five-star review.